Why is the church so full of hypocrites? That's um, the question. By the way, sorry, the screen lighting. We're doing the best we can with this situation here today. So um, hopefully you could see enough of that to kind of catch what was going on there. I mean, that's a, that's a popular question. Why is the church so full of hypocrites? Hopefully I'm going to answer the question for you today from the Bible. And, and in the process, I also want to show you um, the definition of what Jesus tells us uh, is hypocrites or hypocrisy. So I want you to think along those lines with me. You know, I've been at this thing called being a pastor or minister or lesser terms, kind of a slur preacher. Um, I get that from some of my friends. Hey, preacher. Um, yeah, that's a good way to set me off, let me just tell you. But anyway, uh, I've been at this for a few years and, um, and could tell you many stories, but I'll just tell you one quick one. When it became so evident to me, I had a guy who was one of those leading what they call in theological circles, one of those leading church pillars, businessman, and, and um, had this great plan of starting a business, and he was going to start this business, and, and uh, unbeknownst totally to me, I knew a little bit, not, not too much, um, that he was going to uh, raise a little money and going to talk to some people, kind of an entrepreneur type. You guys cold? Everybody's going to shiver. Is that heat going to kick in sometime, Frank? Sometime maybe? Frank tells me the heat's going to come on, but uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get there. So, it, 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 yeah, it, he's telling me it's always hot in here, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. But anyway, uh, we'll be all right. You guys just hang on, all right? Keep you awake for me for a little while anyway. Um, so anyway, he's, I'm going to do this business, and he told me, a great business. And he got this business going, and, and, and then one of the things that happened in this business was he had a guy working for him who called himself a Christian, and, and he had a real hard time just kind of, had a hard time with truth, if you know what I mean, and telling the truth. And so my friend uh, at that time told, had to fire this guy because of some, some um, discrepancies with money and so forth. And in doing so, the guy that he fired was saying, hey, man, I'm a Christian. I would never do that. And so my friend said to this guy, hey, man, if you're a Christian, don't tell anybody because you're really not a very good representative. And I thought, boy, that's a good thing to say. That guy needed to hear that. And then later, as my friend is doing this startup business and he's, raising some money and so forth. And, and we're not talking about a ton of money. At that time, it was, it was a lot more than it would be today, but it was 30 or 50 or, 50, I don't know, 50,000. But it wasn't all, it was, by, it was by little increments, 5, 10, 15,000 here and there. And it was a lot of money to those people who were investing. You know the end of this story, don't you? I don't need to really go too much further. Uh, the bottom line is, if you're starting a business and you're going to raise money in here, you're going to get a knock from me in the middle of the night, okay? Hey, what are you doing? Not literally, and I'm, and I'm, being, I'm being a little facetious, but, but um, it became a real problem, and the business didn't pan out, and the very thing that he had told this person was the very thing that in, in certain days I might say to him is, hey, listen, if you're going to call yourself a Christian businessman and you're going to rip people off, and particularly in the church, and use the church to raise uh, uh, your business, uh, do your business plan and so forth. This this isn't the right thing to do. Those stories can be told over, and everybody was left hanging, obviously, with their five or ten or twenty thousand dollars or whatever it is that they had invested. That, unfortunately, is a story that I could repeat with different names and different faces, far too many times, far too many times. You've seen it. Um, 
maybe in the church, maybe from a person who calls themselves, but I'm a Christian. And maybe from some other kind of thing. Why is that? Why do we have that? Why do we have people who on Sunday morning will be in a, in a church, probably a little nicer than this, this auditorium here, and, and everything will look great, and then the next day they're lying and they're stealing and they're uh, extorting and they're misrepresenting certain figures and whether they be on Wall Street or whether they be in their own particular business. Um, why is that? Why is the church full of hypocrites? Um, sometimes it's in moral ways or immoral ways in terms of, of uh, people messing around with somebody that's not their husband or their wife. I mean, the story and the list could go on and on and on. And I want to just address it. I told you this is our theme, our series, of course, is the 10 things, uh, dealing with 10 things that makes the church cringe. And we don't like to talk about hypocrisy too much. And that's because, frankly, the church, in a large sense, is full of, full of that. I want to start full of hypocrisy. Let me finish my sentence. Um, I want to start with a quote that will get you to think along these lines with me. Kind of just show you what I've been talking about. The first thing is from an American writer and philosopher. And I hope you can see the screen okay with the lighting. We'll do the best we can. As witnesses, not for our intentions, but of our conduct, we can be true or false. And the hypocrite's crime, this is really good, is that he bears false witness against himself. What makes it so plausible to assume that hypocrisy is the vice of vices is that integrity can indeed exist under the cover, all, uh, under the cover of all other vices except for this one. Now think about that a moment. I gotta just, I'm going to leave that up there for a moment, just as you think about that. What makes it so plausible to assume that hypocrisy is the vice of vices is that integrity can indeed exist under the cover of all vices except this one. You can have a friend, most of us do, a friend or two, who may be the worst drinker in the world, just a, just a flat-out, commode-hugging drunk, okay? Let me just put it real blunt here for you. But you know what? Some of those people, and I have some of those people who I count as friends, I never have to worry about them telling me the truth. They have, they have integrity, even though they have a huge problem with alcohol. You could have a guy who might even be a womanizer, or a woman, whatever the other word is. I don't know whether the word manizer. I don't know if that's a word or not. I never heard that. Um, you catch my drift there. Um, you could have that. But if they have a degree of integrity in other, every other area of the, I mean, we've all known people like that. Well, you know, he, he kind of messes around on his wife, but the guy, when he tells you, he gets you into a business deal, when he tells you two plus two is four, you don't have to worry about that. You know he's, he's got a degree of integrity. The problem with hypocrisy is it is the vice of all vices because you never know what you're getting, whether it's real or whether it's not real. You never know if it's true or not true. It, it's a combination of lying and, and bearing false witness and deceiving. And that's why we all hate it so much. That's why it is sort of the, the badge of condemnation in any place. He's a hypocrite. Let me show you one other thought here from a great German writer and philosopher. Courage and modesty are the most unequivocal of virtues, for they are of a kind that hypocrisy cannot imitate. They, too, have this quality in common, that they are expressed by the same color. Hypocrisy can't imitate those things. So, I go back to my question. Why is the church so full of 
I'll try not to say this word too much, because I, 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 I hear from some of you that I say it too much, but I'm going to use it here. Why is the church so full of stinking hypocrites? I mean, there's no better adjective to describe it. Why? I've got three answers for you, then, I'm gonna, then we're going to see what Jesus says. All right? uh, the first one is this. Um, because people are flawed and don't always live up to their own standards. One of the questions, and some of, some of you know this about me, that, that I get to see in a, on a fairly regular basis, is that you kinda, I kind of tip my hand as to what I'm talking about that week. Not that you wouldn't know anyway, because you can pick up a card and see what I'm talking about for the next ten weeks, but, or in this case, five weeks, I think. But uh, one of the things that I've, I've been asking the people this week is, tell me, about, tell me about the worst hypocrite that you know. Don't give me a name. And I've heard some great, some great illustrations. Uh, everything from uh, a basketball player who, who, who says he's all out for the team, but then when he doesn't start, won't dress out for the team and won't play at all. Some of you saw that in one of the NBA teams, a guy that was, didn't get a start, so he said, I'm not going to play if I don't start, and didn't even dress out. So that's kind of hypocritical. If you say that, and you say, I'm out for the team. Some of us have seen other people, and, they've, and, and you know people maybe in church who said one thing and they ended up doing another, and sometimes it's been pastors, sometimes it's been church leaders, whatever the case. So when we look at this thing, because people are flawed and don't always live up to their own standards, if you take that purest form of that point, here's the real question I'll ask you, just to get you to think about it. Rhetorical question. If that's the case, if we have a sta- I have standards, and I'll be the first to tell you right here, right here in front of God and you and everybody that listens to this CD, um, I don't always live up to my standards. Usually, where I fail the most is in the heart and in the mind. When I, I, I usually, not always, since I've lived here in New Jersey, which I love so dearly, I, I do, I'm serious about that, because you can just, you can just, you can just say whatever the heck you want to say, you know? And, and people here take it, and it's great. It's terrific. You can't do that in the South. You can't do that in Colorado even. But, I mean, here you say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now, I've kind of gone over the other edge, and I've gotten a little, you know, one of the things that came out in my review that some of you filled out was sometimes you've just got a little bit of a harsh edge to you, Rich. So we have this thing around the office now, the new rich and the old rich. And, <laughs> and uh, sometimes somebody will say something, and I'll say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And they'll say, now, is that the new rich or is that the old rich? It's pretty clear who that is. So anyway, I kind of take that to the, to, to the nth degree. But, but the, the point is this. If we have a standard that we don't always live up to, whether it's external or whether it's internal, here's the question. Are we all hypocrites? Are we all hypocrites? You know, Because we don't always live up to the standard that I have. Your standard may be different than mine. That's not the issue. The issue is you have yours, I have mine, whatever they are. Try to keep mine centered on, on the Bible and truth. And if I don't live up to that, am I a hypocrite? Now, that's, that's the one question. Yeah, I don't, we're going to answer that in just a minute. The second reason why is the church full of hypocrites, let me show it to you, um, because the church creates an environment that promotes it. Often the church creates the environment, and religious institutions create this environment of, of well, you've know, you, you got to look a certain way. You've got to do certain things. And if you do that, you're okay. And if you don't do that, you're not okay. That's not good either. Third thing kind of goes along with the second thing. And that is this, because authenticity is seldom encouraged. I'm not suggesting, and, and, and this is the discussion I've had recently with, with some people, and that is they said, you know, we love coming to church, but, but where, the way, where we came from, we don't feel like we can come 
and, and if we can't come and smile and say everything's great, we don't think we should come, and we can't come and smile and say everything's great. And I said, Renaissance is the perfect church for you because our mission statement is authenticity in our faith, in our exploration of our faith, and in our walk with Christ, paraphrased. Authenticity. We're about that. In our, in our, in our, in discovering our, our walk with Christ. Now, that doesn't mean when you come in here, or, or when we're in the normal place to meet, or when we're in the opera house. Finally, um, that when when you walk in there and somebody says, "How you doing?" that you have to say, "Well, I'm not doing very good because my husband yelled at me this morning. My kids are totally out of control. Uh, my, my 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 finances are in the toilet, and I got a deal that's going to just go south on me tomorrow morning. I'm not doing. I'm not saying that every time you go to church, you got to just." elucidate every problem that you're having but i do think you need to be honest and i i i do i love it you know i love it when somebody comes in and i say how you doing and they say i'm not doing so good i love that honesty by the way that's why sometimes i've said this before but it's true that's why sometimes you find more comfort in cheers a bar than you do sometimes in the church because there nobody puts you know they come in give me another beer and let me tell you how bad things are you know, sometimes you find more authenticity and more comfort in that. That's a substitute. That's not a very good substitute. But for many cases, it's, it's better than what we're doing in some quote-unquote Christian circles. So authenticity is seldom encouraged often. Now, I'm going to come back to these things a little bit, but, but just in terms of subject matter. Here's what I want to do right now. And I'm going to blow through these really quick because I don't want to take up a lot of time with these. But I'm, I'm going to give you ten ways, ten ways... To never be a miserable, disgusting, weak, mealy-mouthed, emotionally crippled hypocrite. Okay? Ten ways. Here we go. We're going to go through them real quick. Those, by the way, those adjectives were, uh, were carefully chosen. Number ten, have no standards. Don't have any standards. You'd never be a hypocrite. You know? <laughs> it's called existentialism, if you want to, want a philosophical word for it. Um, again, if you want to get, yeah, thank you. If you guys need to get move around where you can see everything, please do. Number nine. Uh, learn the art of talking but saying nothing. This is great. We've got examples of this. Let me show you a quote for that. All right, let me show you the quote. Of those who say nothing, few are silent. <laughs> Turn on TV these next few months of the political campaign, okay? Get a great example of that. Number eight, never talk about your beliefs. Some people do that. You know, never talk about my I don't want to talk about my I don't want to talk about God or politics. Like, well, what do you want to talk about? The weather? How, how edifying is that? Uh, number seven, uh, believe everything. Just believe everything. Oh, yeah, I believe that. You're with a Mo, that's great. You're with a Muslim, that's great. You're with a Jew, that's great. You're Jewish people, you're with a Christian, that's great, yeah. yeah you, know. you know, believe everything. Number six, um, have strong beliefs, but change them quickly and frequently. Those guys are tough, aren't they? I mean, it's all over the map. Number five, live on a desert island. Or just be isolated. You know, some people, and, and, and you know, seriously, some people are like that. They just isolate themselves because they don't want to take a stand. They don't want to have to say certain things. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cure. I don't think it's a very good cure. Let me show you what Emerson said about that. Um, Every man alone is sincere. At the entrance of a second person, hypocrisy begins. Isn't that good? I mean, that's a good statement to think about. <laughs> Every man alone is sincere. At the entrance of a second person, hypocrisy begins. Number four, this is a good one. This is, a, this is one of my favorites right here. Um, 
criticize everybody else. Criticize everybody else um, that keeps eyes on them and the accusations off of you. Just, just be, be and I see, I've seen people do that. Um, let me give you a, just a little thought here that I like. The critic is an intriguing specimen of humanity. He can be the most dysfunctional human in the room, but as long as he is clever and gives an appearance of discretion, he can fire critical verbal flurries at every living being and for a season by some be thought of as wise and insightful, but only for a season. I've seen that. Um, it's true, you know. Just keep, oh, yeah, 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 he's this way, he's that way. Well, look how bad, look how bad he is. Number three, a little more serious with this one. Have a belief-based worldview. You're not, you're not going to be a hypocrite. Here's my point on this. If your worldview is based on strong beliefs, one of my beliefs certainly in your, I would imagine, many of your beliefs, may not, I don't want to speak for you, I'll speak for myself, um, is certainly there's a God in heaven. Another one of my beliefs, very simply, is all men are fallen, including the speaker. And we need to understand that. Number two, think through beliefs equal behavior. Beliefs equal behavior. I am what I believe. If you say, yeah, but that's not always true. Certainly, that's not always true. But generally speaking, you can, look, you can know what a person believes by how they live. If they're antinomian, if, they have, if, they're, if, they're, if they're existential, and their beliefs are just kind of all over the place, their behavior will reflect that. Beliefs equal behavior. That's why beliefs are so important. That's why it's so important what we believe. That's why it's so important to understand what we believe, to really think through what we believe. And the last thing is this, and you're going to hear this again. Number one, be authentic. Be authentic. See, here's the issue, and I'm going to say this a couple of times because I want to make the point very clear, and that is when we're authentic, it kind of diffuses that horrible animal called hypocrisy. Not that it gives us an excuse, because I'm not saying that. But it helps us understand, listen, I do have a standard, and what I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. Now, we need to move on from here. But what we need to understand this is, I have a standard, and I didn't meet it, and that's wrong. I need to go to God, first of all, if it's a sin against God. It may not be. It depends on what it is. And the second, I need to go certainly to the person who I have offended and deal with that on an individual basis as well. Authenticity is one of the great things that I feel like has been ignored in many quote-unquote Christian circles over the years. Because we, we've been taught to cover up, to smile, and say everything's great when everything's not great. Sometimes we even convince ourselves of that. I've, I've done that. Convince myself everything's great when it's not great. And then sometimes you need some help to somebody come alongside and try to help you sort through some of that stuff and, and figure that out and realize, hey, I'm, I'm not being honest. I'm even lying to myself about some things. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. All right, let's get into what Jesus says. That's really what's important. Hypocrisy, as defined by Jesus, and with some action steps for avoiding it. It's not going to do us any good to see what it is if we can't avoid it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, I really don't. And I hate hypocrisy, and uh, I hate it probably the most when I see it in me. And uh, I've seen it in myself too many times. Um, 
four movements of thoughts here taken from the Gospels of Jesus' words. And I want to show you the first one, a hypocrisy defined by Jesus. And it'll become very clear to you where we're going with this. Uh, the first one is this. Hypocrisy is a disconnect between the brain and the heart. It's a disconnect between the brain and the heart. Okay? Now what, look what this is. Let me show you what Jesus says. Um, this is, comes from Matthew. You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you. He's quoting here from Isaiah 29. Jesus is. You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. He said, you guys are hypocrites because what's going in here and what's believed here is not happening here. The hard thing, and let me talk to you from, I'll, I'll represent a lot of people when I talk about this. I'll talk about myself, but I'm not just talking about myself. You need to understand that. For some of us, we have so many times thought, if I can just learn more about the Bible, if I can just learn more about God, if I can just learn more about these truths that are in here, uh, and this, then I'm going to be then I'm going to be better. Then we come to that horrible occasion when we're confronted with the fact I know a lot, and I'm learning a lot, and I've learned more, and I know I know the doctrine of the ecclesiology and the doctrines of soteriology, and I know what hypostatic union is, and, and I, know, I know exactly all the, 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 you know, I'm just throwing out some, some theological terms here for you. If you don't know what they mean, don't, don't worry about it. But I know all this stuff, but I'm still struggling with loving my wife or my kids like I should. The knowledge, I'm not, don't misunderstand, nobody here believes more strongly and the importance of studying the Bible than I do. But that alone, if I can use one of my favorite phrases, ain't going to get it. Excuse the English, but you know what I'm saying. I just say that for our British guys here, just to kind of keep them, keep them disarmed a little bit, because, you know, I worry about them. So, it ain't going to get it. I just ain't going to happen. Okay, I said it enough, but you, you, you got my point, right? Because the knowledge doesn't always sink that however many inches that is, figuratively speaking, down to the heart. And then further down into the shoe leather and how I live. So, so and that's what Jesus is saying. You guys, you, you, you say the right things. You know the right stuff to say the right things. But look what he says. But their hearts are far away. And Jesus is condemning them, calling them hypocrites for that. So it's not just about Bible study. It's not just about church. It's not just about learning more. It's living it. And if, it does, if it's not being lived out, then I would question how much good really is it if it's not being lived out. So that's the first thing, a disconnect between the brain and the heart. My action point for you is very simple on this one, and that is this. It's clear down here at the bottom. You can't see it with the way the screen is set up here, but I'll tell you what it is. Strive for meaning. Strive for, strive for meaningfulness in your life. Strive, why, if I do this, why do I do this? I mean, it's just a, one of the great exercises I love to do with people and just to talk to them about. Some, usually, you know, as I've said before, when they find out that you're, like, I'm a pastor or something, I love talking, they start talking about their church, and why, why do you do that? I was talking with a guy this week, and he was talking to me about, about his religious affiliation. And he was actually questioning it with me. And I said, is it meaningful to you? And we talked about that, and he says, no, not at all. And I said, well, what are you doing that for? He said, well, that's how I was raised. I said, is that good enough to keep you going? Is that good enough? That, you know, that, 
it keep you warm at night? And he said, no, it doesn't. But I'm having a hard issue with it. We all need to ask ourselves some of those tough questions. How meaningful is this? Because God came for you not, Jesus came for you not to throw away your brain and not just say, I'm just going to believe this stuff, or I'm just going to think this stuff, or I'm just going to learn this stuff, but for it to make a difference in our hearts and then in our lives. All right, that's the first movement of thought there. Disconnect between the brain and the heart. Second thing, strive for meaning on that. Second thing, they were masters of missing the point. They are masters of missing the point. Let me show you the verse. This is a great passage here. Um, Matthew 23. How ter- this is Jesus talking. How terrible it will be for you teachers of the, of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Here he goes again, hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe. Talking about money here. You're careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you ignore the important things of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, and then you swallow a camel. What's it? It's some good stuff here. And his point is this. Is it a good thing to tithe? Yeah, it's a good thing to tithe, but you guys are so worried about it, you're forgetting the whole purpose. Um, they missed the whole point. Let me be very blunt here for a minute. One of the, I don't know if it's a dichotomy, one of the, one of the issues that we struggle with here at Renaissance is this whole thing of money. And, and Rob King, our chairman of our board, did a great series on that last fall, and, and that's available for you, by the way, on CDs. But, um, you know, we, ha- we struggle with that whole thing. And here's why. And you, most of you probably have noticed we don't take an offering, and that's not going to happen before you leave. And we have an offering box back there, and you're welcome to drop as big a check as you would like to into that. But here's the issue with that. People always ask me and, and others affiliated with us, they say, so what's the deal? You don't take an offering. Do you not need, the first thing that they ask is, do you not need money? And, of course, I immediately can straighten out that issue very quickly. That, that takes no time whatsoever. That's not the issue at all. Okay? We do, like any, any church or charitable group, we do. But what's the number one thing? Well, let me just say, the number one thing that I read and that I have heard that people have a problem with church about. All they ever want is my money. Well, and I thought, you know, we thought, leadership here thought, you know what? We're, we're going to take that away from you. That's not going to be an issue here. Furthermore, and I will add to that, if you come and you never give a dime, you're still welcome. We love you being here. You know, we serve a big God. And I believe God will, will work in the lives of those and, and, who, and, and, and as a result, inspire them to give for the right reasons. And frankly, as I've said many times, that's the only reason people should give. If you give out of guilt or you give out of obligation, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it here. We don't want blood money, you know, uh, which is what I would call it. Here's the point. This, I, I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying. He said you're careful to tithe even the tithe. You're so hung up on the giving, that becomes a focus of what's really something totally different. That happens in the church. Example of how we do it here. The point is this. It's not about giving. It's not about renovating the opera house. It's not about having enough money to have a budget, blah, blah. That's all a means. That's not the end. So many times what happens is we think it's the end. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be loving God and loving people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we have this thing, this wonderful thing called church, which I've committed my life to to doing and serving, and I love the church. Big C. I love the church. I love Renaissance Church, small C, too, very much. 
But, but you see, we miss the whole point here. And that's what Jesus is condemning. When we start, we start getting hung up on all these things, what's the main point? Let me give you the main point. Let me show you real quick. Micah, I think, says it real clear for us. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's the main point. That's the deal, folks. Jesus says, it's not about whether you tie to the tiniest point. That's good. That's not the main point. That's the, that's the thing here. I mean, it says it all. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Gosh, that is, that is just a powerful thing. Here's the action point that I have for you on this one, real simple. That is this. It's going to be down here at the bottom of the screen again. Can't see it. Action step. Strive for proper focus. Strive for proper focus. Ask God to give you proper focus when it comes to my life. Is it about this? Giving? Is it about doing? Is it about not doing? Is strive for proper focus. That's where an understanding of God's scriptures will help you. That's why Micah is so important. An understanding of <laughs> what does the Lord want? What does the Lord want? What does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's only one way you can do that. We'll talk about that in a moment. Third thing, real quick. Third quality that Jesus defines for these hypocrites for us. Not only the masters of missing the point, but glaring blind spots. Glaring blind spots. Matthew 7, Jesus talks about this. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. Says it again. First, get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And we have all seen some of that kind of stuff, haven't we? Where we have somebody with glaring flaws telling us how they ought to live. It's kind of what we saw in the film clip earlier, isn't it? With the uh, Steve Martin movie there. He was the quote-unquote evangelist. And somebody says, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) This is uh, something wrong here. Glaring blind spots. The action point on this is very simple. Strive for self-awareness. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. This is something. You know, one of the one of the fun things Charlene and I do sometimes. I do it. She doesn't. Um, let me be real clear. Is we'll be at a we'll be at a theater at a, at a Broadway or we'll be um, in the mall or something, and um, I'll say, okay, honey, do I look? How do I look compared to that guy? Is he, is, he, is he heavier than me, or is he skinnier than me? You know, I do this. She just goes, Rich. You know, one day she said to me, well, no, you know, he's really tall and thin. That's not you. And I'm like, wait. That's what they tell George Costanza. I mean, you know, and, 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 and the whole point is I'm trying to get some self-awareness here. I say, honey, help me figure out here, what do I look like to others? Well, more important than that is how am I to others? And one of the things that Jesus talks about here is, you know what, you're so worried about others' specs, you're not seeing the log in your own eye. And I want to tell you something, there's only really one way that you're going to find, that you can really find, get a good understanding of self-awareness. And it's a prayer. I pray this prayer a lot. It's from the Bible. And I'm going to show it to you. It's it's, it's David wrote it for us. Um, Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. 
and then guide me. Guide me on the eternal road. I have blind spots. You have blind spots. I have ways I want to see myself, and sometimes I want to see myself so much that way I won't be open to anything else unless some kind of crisis comes in and you've got to deal with it. But if every day, and I'm serious, every day we have some prayer. I don't care if you pray exactly this prayer. But search me, O oh God, the, the, the same, same prayer in a different translation. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. That's my prayer. It's a different translation of the same thing. Every morning, every noon, morning on the train, just, hey, God, search me. Help me to know if there's any hurtful way in me. And then lead me in the everlasting. Because you see, changes and big changes, big negative changes don't happen in people in big ways. They happen one little step at a time. And if we ask God to give us wisdom, driving to work, getting up in the morning, taking a shower, God, another day, search me. Help me to know the truth about me. Not about that jerk I work with, but me. Let, let God deal with the jerk. He's got a great way of doing that. Glaring blind spots. Strive with God's help for self-awareness. Last thing, close with this. Great new word. Disingenuous. New word in the last ten years. Disingenuous. Kind of an exterior mindset. They're worried about the exterior. Uh, Jesus, Jesus defines it for us wonderfully. There's an opposite of this, and I'll tell you what that is in a second, but I want to show you the, let me show you the verse. Um, yeah, I already showed you the authenticity thing. Look at this. Here it is, Matthew 23. How terrible it will be for you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. He does it again. Every time Jesus does this, he's got my attention, because I don't want to be there. I don't want to be one of those guys. You are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside that filled up on the inside with dead people's bones, and all sorts of impurity. You try to look like upright people outwardly, but inside your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ah, oh, that's, da- that's nasty stuff. They're not real. They're not authentic. They're not real. One of the things, one of the... I've got to be careful how I tell you this. Quick. I, I, we gotta, we're way over time, and I've got to stop. But I'm going to tell you a real quick story, real quick. Um, we were... Um, We've had the privilege of getting to know a lot of people over the years in a lot of different places. And, and sometimes, and I've got to be careful because all this is recorded. It ends up on CDs, and they end up in places I never know where they're going to end up. And it's very possible that the person I'm talking about could end up with a CD, even though they live in another part of the country. So anyway, I'll be, I'll be careful with this. Um, I wish I could edit these things and edit certain things out. But anyway, um, we were with these people. And this, was, this, this particular couple, sweet couple, love God, but she came from a part of the country. You'll understand what I mean when I say this where people, you, women particularly, use a lot of makeup. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Okay, that was not New Jersey, in case you're wondering. And so, so just make that clear. So anyway, it was one of those, and they wanted us, we were going to happen to be in their neighbor, in their region, and they well, you've got to come and stay with us, just see us for a couple of days and so forth. And we said, okay, sure, we will, because we loved them and everything. I had never seen this lady before without makeup, and one morning... The, more, the first morning there, we're there in their home, and, and, and it's the type of situation where there's a lot of people in and out and stuff, some, some staff people and things like that. 
and I saw this lady for the first time without makeup. And I introduced myself. Hey, I'm rich. I'm staying here with so-and-so, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Some people are totally different, aren't they? <laughs> I can tell you some embarrassing stories. Let me tell you. Well, let's, I can't do too much about that, okay? can't do too much about the, the makeup and the nip and the tuck and all the other kind of stuff. But what I can say is this. For those of us who have decided to follow Christ, one of the things that I hope will never happen with you, with me, is that when somebody sees us outside of this thing we call church, that we're a different person, that we look different than what we do when we're here. That's called disingenuous. That's what Jesus would call whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but nasty on the inside. That's called action point authenticity. God, make me the same person here on Sunday morning, on Monday morning, and on Tuesday morning on Friday night, on Saturday night, or whatever the issue might be for you. That's authenticity. That's one of the many reasons Jesus came, to make us real, genuine people. We need to pray. Let's pray. And as we do, I just, Lord God, I just, these are some very important truths. And in some cases, we've, we've, we've laughed about some of them. In some cases, we've, we've, had some deep thought about some of them. In some cases, we've thought about other people. But Lord God, I just ask that each one of us would just think about ourselves right now, just who we are, what we are. And Lord, I do pray that in our whole efforts to be meaningful in our beliefs and, and to have proper focus and to have a right self-awareness and to have authenticity, the Lord, that the only way that can really come is a relationship with our Creator, as he reveals this truth to us about who we are and what we are and where we come from and, and where we're headed. And I pray for each person here. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would just examine and re-examine who we are and what we're about. But, Lord, that it comes down to this for each one of us. And that is, do I know God? Do I have a relationship with God? B to be able to, to go to God to ask him to examine my life. To ask him to give me the power to be authentic. And Lord, we know that only comes in a relationship with God through, through Jesus. For some of us this morning, our prayer is going to be, Lord, I, I don't think I have that. And right here, right now, I want to ask for that. And I want to just pray, Lord God, I want to trust in you. I believe Jesus came and went to the cross and, and died and rose again on the third day to give me eternal and abundant life not only to save me from hell, but to give me a life that is abundant and full and authentic. And you can pray that right where you're praying, just between you and God. Lord, I, I just want to trust you right now, right here, and give my life to you. Lord, for some of us, our prayer is going to be something like, Lord, I have trusted you. I have put my belief in you a long time ago, short time ago. But Lord, I pray now for the strength that can only come from, it's only a God thing, God-like strength to be authentic, to examine my, my motives, 
to have a, a proper self-awareness that can only come from God and, and the Spirit of God working inside of me, helping me to be aware. Lord, I pray that for each one of us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. Let's stand together. Thanks for being here with us. A little, sorry we're a little over time, but since we were in the cafeteria, I thought we could do that. Ah, just kidding. Um, anyway, um, take a minute. We've got plenty of stuff back there. Find somebody you don't know before you leave, or find somebody whose name you forgot, and say, you know what? I forgot your name. Tell me again. Fourth time. Tell me your name. Okay? Feel free to do that. All right? Thank you for being here, and uh, talk to somebody you don't know before you leave.